Hello, novelists and novelistas. The idea behind this podcast was to be a companion while you're working on your first full-length 80,000-word novel. Together, we've been reading The One-Year Novelist by Ellen Lilly, Story Genius by Lisa Cron, and This Year You Write Your Novel by Walter Mosley. Maybe you've come close to the goal. Maybe you still have some ways to go. There's time in the future to come back to this draft and polish and complete the work. But for this podcast, we'll keep moving and we'll use the last few days of the year to think about your next novel. Here we go. Continued from last week's episode where we left off with question five. Here is question number six. Write a paragraph about the moment you had the idea for your novel and what attracted you to it. Why do you care about this story? I'll answer with a quote from Walter Mosley, which you may recognize from episode one of the show. Quote, Many writers use themselves, their families and their friends as a model for the characters they portray. A young woman who has had a difficult time with her mother may render a tale in which the mother seems overly harsh, maybe even heartless. She, the writer, wades in, telling the story in all its truth and ugliness. But then, feeling guilty, she backs away from it, muddying the water. Maybe she stops writing for a while or changes the subject. Whatever she does, the novel suffers. This would-be novelist has betrayed herself in order that she not tell the story that has been clawing its way out from her core. She would rather not commit herself to the truth that she has found in the rigor of writing every day. This form of restraint is common and wholly unnecessary. To begin with, your mother is not reading what you have written. These words are your private preserve until the day they're published. Also, you should wait until the book is finished before making a judgment on its content. By the time you have gone through 20 drafts, the characters may have developed lives of their own, completely separate from the people you based them on in the beginning. And even if someone at some time gets upset with your words, so what? Live your life, sing your song. Anyone who loves you will want you to have that. Don't let any feelings keep you from writing. Don't let the world slow you down. Your story is the most important thing coming down the line this year. It's your year. Make the most of it. End quote. Question number seven. What's the inciting incident in your story? What's the moment that gets the ball rolling on your plot? In chapter 13 of Story Genius, Lisa Cron talks about starting your book as close to the story spark or inciting incident as possible. The inciting incident is the event that sets your story in motion. If you think back on your character's overarching goal, the story spark is usually something that either starts moving your protagonist toward that goal or it's a significant obstacle they have to overcome. In a murder mystery, The inciting incident is the discovery of the dead body. In a romantic comedy, the inciting incident could be the meet-cute, the moment the two faded lovers first lay eyes on each other. In either case, it's a significant event that sets the dominoes of the plot in motion. Question number eight. What surprising thing could happen 25% into your book that sends the story in a new direction? 
brainstorm a few possibilities. Ellen Lilly calls the surprise that happens in the first quarter of your book the one-quarter twist. As the writer, your job at this stage is to consult your crystal ball, look into the future, and imagine what might happen a quarter or so through the story that will make the conflict even more urgent for your main character. How can you tighten the screws so that a challenging situation becomes insufferable and inescapable for your protagonist? Here's how Ellen Lilly describes the task at hand. Quote, Think about turns your story could take that force your protagonist to change course or alter how she's dealing with the conflict we saw in the story spark. She uses an example from Pride and Prejudice. In Pride and Prejudice, the protagonist, Elizabeth Bennet, attends a ball where nearly all her family members embarrass themselves to a very great degree, though none of them realize it. This display appalls the antagonist, Darcy. It also spins the story in a new direction because Darcy's best friend, Bingley, and Elizabeth's older sister have fallen in love. Darcy decides to do all he can to separate the two. Suddenly, Bingley leaves town. Elizabeth is devastated for her sister. And when she learns of Darcy's role in her sister's heartbreak, she believes him to be the worst of men. End quote. Think about it this way. What could happen that makes it clear to the protagonist that her usual tricks are no longer working? What could happen that causes your main character to recognize for the first time that her old way of doing things won't cut it and that she has to change her approach? Which brings us to page 16 of The One-Year Novelist, where Ellen Lilly asks you to imagine what this one-quarter twist could look like in your book. In fact, she asks you to imagine more than a dozen different possible twists. So start brainstorming some problems that the universe could throw at your main character about 25% through your book, which would kick the conflict into high gear. I personally found this exercise really helpful in the past because I've had the protagonist, the antagonist and the basic conflict for my story mapped out for a while. If you're in the same boat and you've toyed with the same idea for a while, you may find that this exercise forces you to think about your story in new ways, introducing new possibilities. Give it a shot and see how many possible twists you can come up with. Question number nine. Halfway through the story, how might your protagonist double down by committing to a cause, a fight, or a larger goal? Let's talk about the midpoint of your book. A strong midpoint is different from the one-quarter twist. The one-quarter twist was still something that was externally happening to the protagonist. A new challenge that exposed the shortcomings in her problem-solving approach and her misbeliefs about the world. But once your protagonist reaches the midpoint, she should no longer be a victim of circumstance. She needs to commit to a course of action. Or, in Ellen Lilly's words, she needs to throw caution to the wind. Let's go back to Ellen Lilly's example from Pride and Prejudice. Quote, In Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth rejects a marriage proposal from Darcy telling him, in no uncertain terms, 
that she blames him for her sister's unhappiness and believes him to be a horrible person. This is no light matter as Elizabeth and her sisters will be in desperate financial straits if none of them marry well. Eventually, they will lose their home due to the way their father's estate is entailed and none are married or have any prospects. Finally, though she doesn't know it, Elizabeth is wrong about a major part of Darcy's conduct and will need to realize she loves him." End quote. So clearly, Elizabeth is indeed throwing caution to the wind. After all, she is in a precarious situation, her sisters are in a precarious situation, and she rejects the only prospect for a husband that she has in Mr. Darcy. And of course, none of that would have happened without the one-quarter twist, which helped set up Mr. Darcy as a terrible guy in Elizabeth's eyes. Darcy's actions wouldn't have been possible without the one-quarter twist, because those very events prompted him to interfere with Elizabeth's sister's romance, which then incurred Elizabeth's anger. So, a strong middle is the consequence of a forceful one-quarter twist. Once you brainstorm and nail down your own one-quarter twist, think about what action your protagonist might take that is connected to the twist. How does the one-quarter twist push your protagonist over the edge and make him or her do something strong and decisive and forward-looking while still being blinded by their misbelief? When you're planning your strong midpoint, think about these three questions. How can your protagonist commit to a cause, a fight, or a larger goal? How can your protagonist double down and... What's the moment in your story when the main character throws caution to the wind and does something decisive? Question number 10. You've thought about the thing your main character wants. What do they actually need in order to grow or change as a person? Remember that when you work on your one-quarter twist and your midpoint, both of these story beats are stronger if they directly relate to your character's specific situation and specific past. In Chapter 5 of Story Genius, Lisa Cron illustrates these points using a small two-character movie called Sparrow's Dance, which I'm happy to report you can watch for free on Pluto TV as of the publishing of this episode in December 2022. The main character of Sparrow's Dance is an actress who has a crippling case of agoraphobia. The movie revolves around the fact that her bathroom is broken and she has no choice but to call a plumber. On the surface, all she wants is to have her plumbing fixed. Under ordinary circumstances, a movie about a plumber fixing a toilet would be about as interesting as watching paint dry. But in this case, for a main character who can barely bring herself to open the door for the delivery guy, it becomes a gripping drama. So again, it's the past of the character up to the point when the story starts and what we know about her inner life that makes the external events, the toilet breaking, aka the one quarter twist, and her calling a plumber, the action she takes in response, fascinating. Sparrow's Dance is not about a plumber's visit. It's about how the protagonist overcomes her fear and her crippling misbelief, as in, being out in the world will kill me, 
And it's about how she takes her first step back into the outside world because of her real want and underlying need and longing for human connection, which is ultimately stronger than her fear. And that brings us to the exercise in chapter five on page 77 in Story Genius, which is to write a short paragraph about what your character enters the novel wanting, even if she doesn't think she has a chance in hell of getting it. Look below the surface. What does your main character really want? Being happy is not specific enough. Dig deeper. What specifically does he or she want that would make them happy? And then take it even further. Now that you know what would make them happy, why specifically would it make them happy? What is it about their past that makes them value and pursue this particular goal? Remember, the outside world might have a very different view of the goal your protagonist yearns after. Moreover, at the end of the story, your main character may also change her opinion of what reaching this goal will mean to her. That shift in perspective is the whole point of the story. And that's it for today. We'll tackle five more questions in the next episode. If you come up with answers to all the questions, you'll have a pretty good outline for your book. Email signups receive a link to the complete list of questions. The new cycle of writing an 80,000 word novel kicks off in January. Sign up free at novelmarathon.com forward slash newsletter and receive bi-weekly writing prompts to complete your novel in a year. I'm the undercover novelist, and this was Mile 23 of Novel Marathon. Happy reading, happy writing, and I'll talk to you soon.